thought there was some um, Anki Broekers Knol news. Was there Anki Broekers Knol news? Friday, November 22nd, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Molly Quell, Dutch News contributing editor and singularity survivor. With me today is Paul Paters, master student and royal family obsessor. Our other co-host, Gordon Derek, FC Den Bosse's communications consultant, isn't here today because he's hiking the Skavening a trail. I'm very proud of that joke. Yeah, we, um, yeah we're going to have to... Um, uh, you're going to have to wait for everything on FC Den Bosch because yeah. that's one of our major topics. It's one uh, of our major topics this yes, week. Yes. Uh, Molly, you are a singularity survivor. What's that about? I am because I've been complaining on Twitter about the train between Delft and The Hague because yes. I've had to go to The Hague like almost every day this week. But I think you have a point here. Because, I do. Yeah. I, do, I definitely, I always have a point. Paul. <laughs> um, no. It's what was be- your point? My point is, is that when I have take the intercity train between Delft Central Station and Den Haag, Central, it's officially 12 minutes on the, like, in the, if you look in the NS app, right? But it feels like it takes like five minutes. And if you take the stop train, which is officially 16 minutes in the NS So NSF, only four minutes Only four longer. minutes longer. Yeah. It feels like a goddamn eternity. It, it really does, yeah. So I was complaining yeah. about this on Twitter and somebody was joking that there's like a trains in the Netherlands are powered by some sort of something and you go through a time warp. I don't know exactly what he was talking about. It was something about, like but that. Funny. But but it is it is actually true. But I think it has to do with the uh, train tunnel in Rijswijk. Uh, you don't have any yeah, signal you have when no you signal. are in the, I think you're right. And if you're in the stop train, then you're longer in that tunnel. So yeah. you, don't, you have longer no signals. So yeah, yeah it feels just Like an longer. eternity. Really yeah. an eternity. So that's what I was complaining yeah. about this week. It's and a fair complaint. I, 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 the, the train tunnel in in, uh, you have signal in the train tunnel in Delft, though. Yeah. Do you? Some yes, people I don't, do. but I do, I do. do as well. Yeah, yeah. that's uh, that's. Uh, so it makes Delft palatable. It's fine. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and you are obsessed with the royal family. Uh, yeah, the the British royal family. I actually met the Dutch royal family, but really? I think you're weirdly obsessed with both. Why am I? Uh, why, why do you? Because when I was at this event in the Rittersall oh, earlier this week, one oh. of the princesses was there, and all of a sudden you had all these inside jokes about this the yes. princess that uh, I did not get. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, uh, I thought you were referring to uh, the uh, damned interview of uh, Prince Andrew uh, with the BBC. Because also, I that. am weirdly obsessed with that. You are the past week. I mean, he got fired from the royal family. That is impressive. Uh, well, he stepped he quit down. The, he Quit the, he royal quit the royal family. I would like yeah. to know if I can quit my own family. Is that an option? Like, can I just send a letter on some fancy letterhead and be like, I'm stepping back from my duties as a daughter yes. and a sister you for should. the foreseeable future? <laughs> Until after uh, Thanksgiving. Until after um, all major holidays ever. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah, yeah, you could definitely do that. I guess that. so. I yeah, could yeah, do yeah, that. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you were in the Riddersaal, or the Riddersaal. as you insist uh, on calling it, the Knights Hall. It wasn't me. It's because anytime Dutch people give a speech in English in the Riddersaal, they have to make a big deal about the fact that it's the Hall of Knights. How, how often do you get come in the... A couple of times. I mean, I've really? been in like... I've never been there. Oh, yeah. I've been to a couple of events Ooh, there. Okay. And anytime that there's a speech... I mean, I'm presuming that this is true. Maybe they're also making these speeches in Dutch, though most of the events that I am at are in English there. Yeah, but I like, think so. Yeah. All sorts of people... Like from a wide variety of backgrounds, made the same sort of what hall I, of nights. What joke. I assume is that there is some guy who works there and sort of 
guides the people who give speeches there, yeah. and then uh, his advice is always just start your speech with this yes. sort of. Fun it's also trivia. the first sentence in the Wikipedia page, so maybe uh, people are like looking it up yeah, on Wikipedia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that might also be true. I mean, yeah. just like um, Boris Johnson, for example, when he wasn't prime minister or not even MP, he gave speeches all around all around uh, the the country, and there was this one guy who happened to be at a second the second time at one of the speeches of Boris Johnson and was exactly the same, same speech. speech. So yes, maybe it's something like that. Yeah. I don't know. But you were there and uh, you said one of the princesses is here. It's the sister, uh, it's the wife of the um, uh, the king's older brother, yeah. Prince Constantine. And her name is officially Princess Laurentine. But when she was born, her first name, you know, her, 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 given, name. her given name was Petra. But when she married the, into the royal family, that wasn't... Uh, princessy enough? Princessy enough, no, uh. not posh enough. So they sort of forced her to use her second name, which is Laurentine, which uh. is much more posh. I see, so every, I had no idea. So every time, um, I always refer to her as Princess Petra, because, you know, that's just her... That's her name. name. That's she her should name. be allowed to keep yeah. her name. Anyway, she had a huge emerald on, which was interesting choice, because we were at a Children's Peace Prize awarding a prize to a Cameroonian activist. Yeah, there was opera. <laughs> What is our Opaf this week, Paul? Oh yeah, we have Opaf. Of we course. do have Opaf. Every week we have Opaf. I love this Opaf. It's delightful. Yeah, do you? Yeah, because yeah. it of course combines uh, all of the my Netherlands favorite things. With, uh, yeah, uh, Sinterklaas with... and the Kardashians. <laughs> my two favorite things. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah uh, Sinterklaas arrived in the Netherlands last week, and uh, you know that's always uh, results always in some uh, in some Opaf. This with time, the highways being blockaded. Well, this time not. That's exactly that's what good. I was going to refer to in my script. So thank you for ruining that. You're welcome. Um, there was also no Opaf about. Uh, Sinterklaas's uh, yeah, dramatic change of uh, mode of transportation. Yeah, why is it, Paul, that you can change some things about this and nobody bats an eyelash, but if you change... Nobody notices. ...the racist part of it, people get very upset. Yeah. Why do we think this is? Hmm, I don't know. If anybody has a clue, please send an email to podcast at dutchnews.nl. Yes. Uh, shall we tell the listeners what happened? Oh, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I guess so. Um, Sinterklaas arrived in Apeldoorn this year, and yes. not by his traditional steamship, but he used a very modern steam train. And why did he arrive by train and not ship? Because Apeldoorn doesn't have... Any water. You <laughs> <laughs> would think that would be... A Minor concern, yeah, I guess. Yeah, indeed. But they solved it with the steam train. The traditional Sinterklaas Ophef, though, was this year caused by the one and only Kim Kardashian. Of course. Because on Saturday she tweeted a link to an article of Al Jazeera about Swartapit with the comment that she found this Dutch tradition, quote, very disturbing. Mrs. West isn't the first American celebrity who, who spoke out against the Dutch tradition. Uh, there are several other artists uh, who have said that they will not perform in the Netherlands as long as tradition is uh, in place. Um, additionally, Stefan, that's one of the man on the photo tweeted by Kim Kardashian complained to the Algemeen Dagblad that he is now uh, going around the world dressed up as Swarte Piet. And he doesn't like that, that his image is circling around Maybe he should have dressed up like Swarte Piet. Also, how can anybody recognize him because he's dressed up like Swarte Piet? <laughs> Indeed. Uh, he said she has millions of followers and uh, they all see me now dressed up like this. Uh, yeah, he told the newspaper anonymously. Stefan wasn't his real name. but. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, so it sucks just, to be you. He said in the interview that, that that was the last time that he dressed up like that. He uh, always uh, volunteered as Swarte Pete in the Sinterklaas arrival. I'm not sure where it was last year, but the, uh, Sandam, it was last Sandam. year in Sandam. And he said, this is the last time I'm going to do it. And now it's like the official arrival of Sinterklaas. So it's a sort of a fun, yeah. uh, fitting uh, way to sort of uh, say goodbye to my uh, to my Swarte Pete self. Yeah. And now he's uh, going around the world as Swarte Pete. Yeah, that's what he's uh, that's what he's doing. Poor well, guy. I don't feel bad for him. All thanks to uh, Kim Kardashian, who um, yeah. could have used a different source than the country which uses actual slaves to build a dozen or so uh, stadiums right now. That's but true, but we're not going to hate on Al Jazeera. They they or do Kim do Kardashian. Ch- no, both of them are are not not hated on this podcast. This week, we're going to talk about racism in football, why you might have been turned away at the emergency room, and why Ferdinand Krapahaus is disappointed. In our discussion, we're going to blast Dutch people for refusing to integrate. This is a fun episode, this is isn't my, it? Yeah, this is definitely the, <laughs> one of the better episodes that we've done. Indeed. Because it, there's no news this week, so it's there, just There really, really like, was no news, yeah. We really had to struggle kind of, to yeah. sort of find stuff to talk about. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, the football racism thing is bad, but like... After a day of being slammed badly, everybody came out like in solidarity, which I feel like is like a nice ending to the story. Again, spoiler alert. I'm here to just ruin your podcast for you. Indeed. Dutch Football Association KNVB and the prosecution service are investigating an Eerste Divisie football match at the weekend that was halted because of sustained racial abuse against one of the players. The referee suspended the game between FC Den Bosch and Excelsior in the 28th minute after Excelsior striker Ahmad Mendes Morera complained of being targeted by a section of the home fans. It is the first time a professional match in the Netherlands has been stopped because of racism. The game was later resumed and Morera scored a goal 15 minutes later to put his team 2-1 ahead. The prosecution service in Noord-Brabant said it was studying camera footage from the game with the police to identify possible offenders and decide what action, if any, to take. The KNVB said its protocol on offensive chanting had been correctly followed and it would be investigating the allegations of racism. One of the fans appeared to give a Nazi salute while Marrera was talking to referee Lawrence Gerritz. Uh, we will look together with the club at how we can trace and deal with the offenders, the organization said in a statement. This incident will be investigated further via the independent disciplinary system. Marrera said uh, after the game, some of the chants refer to Zwarte Piet. Um, he said, we're in 2019 now. Do you think we should still be accepting this? I'm angry and disappointed that this still has to happen, the player said. On Thursday, Morera announced that he will file an official complaint against a number of uh, FC Den Bosch supporters. Yeah, and if the racist chants weren't bad enough, the initial reaction, which I hear our own personal Gordon Derrick wrote the press release for. <laughs> this is fake news, by the way. It's fake news. He did not. No. He was very mad about it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, it, it, that just made things... Uh, Real, real worse. Yeah, indeed. Uh, after the game, the club posted a statement, uh, and they basically denied that the chants were discriminatory. But on Monday, they released a new statement in which they admitted that they that they were completely wrong about that. Um, that reaction was a complete blunder, and the club wishes to apologize to everyone, especially. Uh, especially Excelsior player Ahmed Mendes Morera. Immediately after the incident, many agreed with the referee's decision to hold the game, uh, including many international football players, such as Memphis Depay, who tweeted, I'm sick and tired to see these images over and over. When is it going to stop? When people stop being racist. Hmm. Other football players have also uh, 
spoken up against this, right? Yes, uh, the two Dutch professional football leagues uh, will hold a protest against racism this weekend at the start of their games. Um, all Eredivisie and first division players will stand still the first minute of each match uh, as a protest. Um, and the protest has been uh, organized by the leagues rather than the KNVB itself. Uh, scoreboards and video screens will also uh, show anti-racism messages uh, during the matches. What are anti-racism messages? Sort of stop racism and enough is enough and mm, stuff okay. like that, I think. Um, the leagues have asked the Bay to add the missing minute to extra time to compensation for the lost play because... Yeah, they're missing a minute. They're missing a minute. Uh, on Tuesday 2, the Dutch national football team uh, played against Estonia and uh, they issued a strong anti-racism statement on social media ahead of the game. And uh, the They did this photo, right, with them standing in a circle holding yes, hands? Yes, with uh, uh, underneath it, hashtag enough is enough. Yeah. And um, uh, some other players uh, during the match also made uh, similar statements to the cameras. Can we comment on the fact that the anti-racism people and uh, Gert Wilders appear to be using these same uh, PR consultants to come up with their hashtags. Doesn't he also use yeah, genoeg is yeah, genoeg? Yeah, genoeg is genoeg was, yeah. was one of the campaign slogans yeah, of exactly. Gert Wilders in, I believe, uh, 2012, yeah. I think. I use it as a meme sometimes because it's a really creepy photo of Geert Wilders. Yeah. Uh, uh, a close-up of his, of his head and yeah. then underneath it, genoeg is genoeg. Yeah. Uh, I sometimes... Send that to people when jokes are running out of hand. For example, when we are talking, talking. <laughs> when we exist, <laughs> when we exist. Yeah, but uh, yeah, apparently they use the same slogan. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, I just realized choice. that now. Yeah. Very interesting choice indeed. Yeah. Healthcare workers at 119 institutions, including 83 hospitals, went on strike on Wednesday, leading to canceled operations and appointments. The strike is the first ever national hospital strike and comes after talks with employers broke down this summer. Striking is not something healthcare workers do, a spokesperson for the FNV Healthcare Union said. They are primarily concerned about their patients, so if they do strike, something is seriously wrong. So why exactly were they striking? Well, the union is calling for a 5% structural pay rise and bonuses for staff who were called into work at short notice, as well as measures to reduce workloads. At the end of September, the Dutch Hospitals Association, AVZ, proposed a 4% pay rise for all staff in 2020 and 2021 and bigger bonuses for people working irregular hours, but that was not genoeg. <laughs> there was uh, so this there was a strike also on the Maliveld I think I'm not entirely sure if it was the Maliveld but one of the healthcare ministers uh, sort of showed up on, on stage to sort of address the uh, the striking um, healthcare workers and he said in his speech I fully understand you want a 5% uh, pay ra- raise and uh, you really deserve it and then applause and yeah. cheering but you're not going to get it <laughs> yeah it's <laughs> really rude it's ridiculous yeah. i mean people in healthcare like the last i just don't i don't understand why there's not more societal outrage maybe not about the pay thing but definitely about the hours thing because do you want the person that's operating on your grandmother to be like completely sleep deprived that seems that seems bad they i think they have a point they can't just leave that job and go on strike just right. as well, farmers can also not really do that, yeah, but but they did. Uh, but they did, and but 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 uh, healthcare workers really cannot do yeah. that because there are people who are dying yeah. and need healthcare. I mean, I think um, it shows like how upset people are about this situation, basically, because it is the first time they've ever gone on strike. I mean, yeah. this is not the Belgian train system where they're just going on strike <laughs> every week. So you know, I hope yeah. that they can come to an agreement and that we don't have to deal with this stuff in the future. 
Yes, hopefully. Um, yeah, there is more money now, so let's just... Uh... Give it. I mean, it's if you have extra money, I feel like giving it to nurses and, and elementary school teachers is probably like not a bad way to spend no, it. No, indeed. Finance Minister Wopke Hoekstra did not inform the Tweede Kamer properly when his ministry acquired a large number of shares of Air France KLM in February, according to the Algemeen Dagblad newspaper, based on leaked secret ministerial memos. The Ministry of Finance took over 14% of Air France KLM's shares for 750 million euros last February, basically to save the Dutch part of the joint airlines from the French. However, the Algemeen Dagblad found out that the ministry broke a large number of rules and regulations and didn't properly follow parliamentary procedures in the surprise acquisition. To start with, Hoekstra should have requested the chair of the Parliamentary Finance Commission to call a secret meeting, which should have taken place in the Tweede Kamer building itself, but instead the finance minister invited a group of MPs to the ministry to inform them of the acquisition. Is this going to be the Gebouwtjes affair? Gebouwtjes affair. (laughs) (laughs) The aandelen affair. The aandelen affair, yeah. Maybe, maybe. Let's hope so. Yeah. Um, on top of that, Hoekstra did not invite the commission's clerk, who is responsible for taking notes and properly document the commission's meetings. No, he just had a woman at the, the meeting have to take the notes and get the coffee. It's <laughs> and get fine. the coffee, yeah. Um, MPs present at the meeting had to hand over their mobile phones and were asked to sign a non-disclosure agreement, meaning that all the MPs uh, could not discuss the acquisition with their parliamentary leaders. And that's a, that's a bold move. Yeah, and it's, it's also it touches upon some of the rights of the... Tweede Kamer, right? Yeah. The right to budget. They cannot really... I mean, it's it's government money that's going to be spent, so yeah. the Tweede Kamer should have a say in this. Uh, also, the right for information. Uh, yeah, they were basically not informed properly and yeah. it was also not documented properly, so whenever there is an inquiry or something later on, there is, you know, it's not documented well, so how are you going to deal with that? And the interesting thing is, of course, that... Uh, we just referred to the Bonnetjes affair, and when the ministries, the ministers there had to resign, it wasn't because what they were doing; it was because they didn't inform the parliament right sufficiently, properly, yeah, sufficiently. Properly. So, yeah, it's 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 sort of a uh, uh, in, in Dutch politics that's sort of even worse than uh, doing something really bad, yeah. not informing the parliament, the parliament uh, correctly. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's interesting that there is not much OPEF about this. I'm, I think it has to do with the fact that Wolke Hoekstra is a very popular minister and yeah. he didn't have other scandals or something yeah. hanging around. Uh, uh, well, and I think also, I mean, part of the reason there's been less, there hasn't been so much OPEF about this is because people were just kind of like, I mean, this is weird that we now own an airline, but like, we, we hate the French, so yeah, like, we get why. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So what were other people's reactions, not just ours? Um, yeah, it depends on who you ask. Uh, if you ask the coalition parties, uh, they are very mild. Shocker. Funny how that works. VVD MP uh, Roald van der Linde said he thinks the minister acted in good faith and was stuck between informing parliament in a transparent way, but also had to act in secret because of, you know, he was acquiring a business. Yeah. Um, he calls on parliament to come up with an appropriate protocol for these kind of situations. I don't they have one? we we'll come up to that. Okay. Uh, Labour MP Hank Nijboer was much more critical. He is annoyed by the minister's actions and attitude towards his responsibilities uh, of informing the Tweede Kamer in a correct manner. Hoekstra can only spend money if we, the representatives, agree, but he refuses to reflect on his actions critically. Hoekstra himself responded too. He said he is surprised that the secret memo was leaked. Uh, everyone's always surprised <laughs> yeah. when there's secret memos. Uh, are yes, leaked. but he said he indeed acted in good faith and pointed out that there is not yet a protocol in place for these sort of 
of acquisitions, even though the Tweede Kamer has been working on it for many years now, especially after the banking crisis yeah. when all of a sudden uh, we had to acquire these banks, take over these banks, uh, nationalize these banks. Um, uh, the MPs asked for, we need some sort of protocol for that. And yeah. they've been working on that ever since. Yeah, so. I mean, he did inform people. I mean, it's not but, like he just like took this decision by himself. Yes, and um, but initially in the original AD article, um, Hoekstra said, uh, I followed the protocol which is in place, but there is not a protocol. Yeah. So, yeah, well, how can you follow it? So Interesting. He sort of uh, changed his, uh, his statement his tune there. a little. Yeah. KLM is sort of nationalized right now, so yeah. shouldn't we have the right to fly for free? with a discount or yeah. at least yeah, for free for something? Exactly. Yeah, I would like that. I'm in, I'm in for that. Hoekstra, if you're listening... Hook us up with some free plane tickets. Yes, Hoekstra, hook us up. Turkey has sent two Dutch women who joined IS forces in Syria five and six years ago back to the Netherlands. One of the women who has two children, ages three and four, has been stripped of her Dutch nationality and faces deportation to Morocco upon arrival in the Netherlands. What was uh, the government's reaction? Ferdinand House is extremely disappointed, Paul. <laughs> uh, he always looks disappointed. Yeah, the justice minister was, yeah, irritated with Turkey for sending these women back. Now that Turkey has sent these IS members back, we have to do all we can to make sure they are prosecuted for their terrible crimes, said Desa Sassestik parliamentarian. Shiorj Shortsma. <laughs> um, but yeah, House didn't, didn't want them to come back. I'm not really sure why he thinks he has a leg to stand on because of course like anyone any country is allowed to deport people that aren't citizens that's how it works Mm, with nationality so like i don't know and uh, what will happen now well both women are going to face trials for being members of a terrorist organization um supposedly the one who's been stripped of her nationality will be sent to morocco after that the children have been handed over to social services the Netherlands sealed qualification for Euro 2020, their first summer tournament in six years, with a nil-nil draw against Northern Ireland in Belfast. In the absence of the injured Memphis Depay and Daniel Malen, and with Georgino Wijnaldum starting on the bench, coach Ronald Koeman surprisingly opted for Feyenoord's Steven Berghuis up front rather than Luc de Jong. Oranje had marginally the better of a turgid first half and should have gone ahead when Berghuis skewed Quincy Promesse's pullback onto the crossbar. The host then missed a golden chance to take the lead when Joel Veldman was harshly penalized for handball in the area, only for captain Stephen Davis to blast the ball over the top. Captain Virgil van Dijk said he was satisfied with the result. We're going to the finals, that's the most important thing, he told NOS. We wanted to win tonight and had chances to score, but we knew it would be difficult and in the end we, ha- we got the job done. Barcelona midfielder Frankie de Jong struck a more frustrated tone. We are very happy we made it, but I feel we should be winning here, he said. We were never really in trouble and I think we didn't do enough on the ball. We had chances to score, could have attacked more, but we're going to the Euros and that's the main thing in the end. And now you can ask if there's some Formula 1 news. I don't care if there's Formula 1 news. Did no, Max Verstappen do something this week, Yes, Paul? yes, actually he did something. Did yep. he fight with somebody? No, did he, he broke a like world an record. Oh, okay, fine. Max Verstappen claimed his third win of the Formula 1 season and the eighth of his career with a commanding drive at the Brazilian Grand Prix. Starting from pole position for only the second time in his career, Verstappen roared into the lead and stayed there for almost, uh, yeah, for most of the race, twice overtaking world champion-elect Lewis Hamilton after pit stops. The win lifted Verstappen to third place in the driver's rankings and the 22-year-old said his ambition was to conclude the season in the top three. It all went perfectly today, he 
said, I'm really, really happy with it, especially the third pit stop where we switched to soft tires worked out very well strategically. Max Verstappen and his team broke the world record for the fastest pit stop ever. It only took them 1.82 seconds to replace four tires. That is impressive. It was impressive, yeah. yeah. Good it's, job to uh, them. The, uh, someone turning into an excellent uh, gif uh, shown from above and you see the car arriving and then you know, it takes them less than two seconds to replace the cars and he drives, drives away. away. It's an excellent gif. Yeah, I'll have to check that one out. Yeah. Dutch art detective Arthur Brand has tracked down a ring which once belonged to writer Oscar Wilde and which may have been stolen not once, but twice. Hmm. Wilde donated the ring to Oxford University where he studied, but it was stolen in 2002 and its whereabouts were unknown until now. Brand, who has previously recovered a stolen Picasso and Viscoff carvings, used his underworld connections to recover the ring, which is in the form of a belt and has the inscription in Greek that says gift of love to one who wishes love, plus the initials of Wilde and fellow student Reginald Harding, who gave the ring to their friend William Ward in 1876. Yeah, um, this uh, art detective, he, um, he recovers all sorts of uh, artworks, including uh, Hitler's horses. Yes. Uh, which were cut down and somewhere stored in, uh, I believe it was Ukraine or Ukraine, something. Ukraine, yeah, yeah. And like a, in a an old mining bunker or something. Yeah, weird. he always ends up in some sort of Nazi bunker, yeah. mine, mine shafts thing. Yeah. Um, and what will happen to the ring now? It will be handed back to the college in a ceremony on December 4th. Okay, very nice. Yes, it's a happy story to end on. We will be discussing how Dutch people refuse to assimilate, Paul, after this word from our sponsors. Hey, you. Yes, you listening to this podcast for free. We're really glad you like all of our Alpef coverage and our dick lawyer jokes, but it costs money to bring them to your ears. If you have a few extra bucks and you would like to support the work that we do, you can now back us on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl to donate. We will give a shout out to all of our backers on the podcast. If you donate 50 euros, Gordon will dedicate the next podcast to his love of lavender strope waffles. For 75 euros, I will suffer through one entire football match. For the low, low price of only 100 euros, Paul will vote for the Socialist Party in the next election. So please, go to patreon.com slash dutchnewsnl to support us and to keep Truby fed. His dog food is extremely expensive. Dutch and Flemish nationals who have recently immigrated to other countries keep true to their roots, continue to speak their original language, and celebrate traditional festivals such as Sinterklaas and King's Day. That's according to new research by language agency Taluni and the Mertens Institute that was released this week. So Paul, if you moved abroad, would you immediately stop speaking Dutch? Depends if there are people to speak Dutch with. I mean, presumably you have a phone and can still WhatsApp your family and these sorts of things. Oh yeah, of, of course, then you, then, you, then you keep communicating with your family in their language. And if you moved with your partner and children, would you continue to speak to them um, in Dutch? Well, hmm, that's an interesting choice. Um, Assuming your par- partner is a Dutch-speaking person. <clears throat> yeah, of course. Um, I think, um, I mean, you can move abroad with the intention to come back yeah then definitely i would continue speaking dutch with my family but if you intend to uh stay there permanently then it's a different question but you think you would start speaking another language with your well it depends on 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 which country i'm going to if if it is the uk or the united states i mean i can speak a little bit of english of course so uh i i can 
speak so then my children are going to have to speak english as well because they live in an english-speaking country but i can speak english as well so i can can communicate in that language with them but let's say if i would theoretically move to france i don't speak french right. at all i refuse to speak it because the french are an awful people i mean that's also uh, true but i wouldn't be able to communicate with my children in french then so i think that's also one of the um sort of things that you have to keep into 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 mind. So I, it depends on which country I would be going to. So for the majority of participants in the study, Dutch is still one of the most widely used languages in the country of residence. 97% of participants speak Dutch weekly, of which 64.6% spend more than eight hours a week, especially in private situations and on social media, speaking Dutch. More than 85% of the participants in the study experience the Dutch language as a core value of their own identity. Immigrants still often read Dutch books, read Dutch news on a daily basis, and watch Dutch language television and films. Well, I guess that uh, they have a point here. I mean, if you... Language is, of course, indeed part of your identity. Uh, and sometimes in the Netherlands, I think we forget that that's really the case yeah. if, if people come from uh, all sorts of countries. I mean, it is especially, I mean, you, you think and you dream in the lang in your mother tongue, yeah. right? So if you are from whichever country, then of course you're going to keep doing that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you can't just switch off your language button. No. Say from now yeah, on. Yeah, would I you will... stop reading the NOS if you move to France or um, if you move to Zimbabwe or? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's part of your identity yeah. indeed your country so you want to uh keep track of what's happening in your country and you know there are not many zimbabwean news outlets <laughs> which in dutch <laughs> in which cover the netherlands yeah. i guess so yeah i'm not sure how uh, uh i mean i know a lot of internationals from the uk or 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 the us um but for them, it's really easy to follow the news from their country, right? right? Because even if you only focus on the NOS or other Dutch news sources, I think that the, the, the Dutch media covers these countries pretty well. Um, but yeah, if you are from, I don't know, Japan or something. Slovakia. Slovakia. Um, also, I mean, yeah, you want to... You wanna, you want to keep track of what's happening in your country. And yeah. then you're going to... The, the, the only sources that you are that you can use are the new sources from your own country, right. I guess. Yeah, Yeah, and like books and television and movies and these kinds of things that are being produced. Well, I would language. definitely not keep watching Dutch movies. Yeah, because but that's I don't, because Dutch movies are bad. I, I already don't do that, so no, that's not something I have to worry yeah, about. that's fair. I will, I but will... would you stop watching, like, would your guilty pleasure TV stop <laughs> being, like, you uh, know, Ick for Trek? Trek? Yeah. I mean, no, I would be I then, if I would be moving abroad, then I, I would be living in an Ik Vertrek right. episode, so I wouldn't necessarily be No, I think you would need that. to watch it more because you need, like, the the sort of soothing balm of knowing that you've done it better than these people <laughs> who have done it so yeah, badly. Yeah, yeah, that definitely makes sense, yeah, yeah. So, but, yeah, the question is, is that integration, speaking a language other than your family language? It's a great question, Paul. I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> so, because of this, I had fun digging into, like, weird sociology research into social integration. That's just your hobby, I so know, you fun. don't need an excuse for that. I, I, yeah, no, but I needed some directions. Ah, I was excited. okay, okay, okay. So, social integration is the process by which newcomers or minorities are incorporated into the social structure of the host country. That's, like, how it's defined in the literature. It's interesting because the studies of this stuff 
the concept of it only really became a thing around like the 1920s. There's a couple of reasons for this. So like historically national borders and national identity have been like less Hmm. strongly defined. Right. So like there's people, I mean, people have moved throughout history, but like if you don't consider yourself to be the citizen of a nation, but maybe the citizen of your city or something like that. The the concept of nation state isn't that old as we often think. And also, I mean, until very recently, borders of nations changed quite frequently. I mean, as evidenced by how you became Belgium accidentally um so like people were just like less sort of attached to these kind of yeah and also have to do with technology of course you can't define i mean you have a a river or something you can't define that as the border but i mean if the if the if the land border runs through the middle of the country then you don't really know do you know where you yeah which country there was no gps or anything or the cadaster yeah there's no cadaster yeah Yeah. god could you imagine the netherlands trying to live without a cadaster we have a cadaster for centuries i know i think it's one of the oldest yeah it must be and the the, cadaster and the waterboard (laughs) uh technology plays another role because of course you know back in the day if you moved across an ocean right if you, especially as a poor person like you were never going back right dutch people or swedish people or whoever because you they can't. immigrated you to the us for, you yeah. couldn't pay for it like there was no option to return to come back for a visit technology also plays another role which is is that you know you used to not really be able to keep in contact with people from back home because you know you could mail letters they took a really long time but you couldn't call people you couldn't be on facebook you know you couldn't keep up with the media in your home country you couldn't i mean television and movies didn't exist the only way you could get a newspaper in dutch if you were living in canada was if somebody put that newspaper on a boat and sailed it over and by that point it's what six months old yes and that's quite expensive of yeah course. so like this was just not an option until kind of the beginning of the 20th century and now there's a lot of discussion about like how valuable social integration is and what it means and like whether or not it's worth it, it there's even a discussion in the literature about like what is the best language what is the best word to use like is it social accumulation is it assimilation is it integration all this kinds of stuff but it, it is interesting. Um, so the idea of a nation state isn't that old. But if we look at, for example, uh, New York City in the early 1900s, I mean, it attracted thousands, thousands, if, if not millions of people from all across the world. And what happened if they moved in there, in, in that city, they would cluster together. You right. had literally, you had little island, little... Uzbekistan. I, yeah. I don't know what you uh, what you had. So yeah, they and and also Chinatown, the, the, the Jewish Chinatown, quarter, Jewish quarter. and also the 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 Dutch immigrants. They also yeah. uh, sort of clustered cluster together. together. This is why we have Michigan. Holland, Michigan, and yeah, all these indeed. places in in uh, Canada where they they celebrate Sinterklaas and eat stroke waffles. And and they they not always they immediately start speaking English. No, they, they, it turns they, out it's hard to learn a language as an adult, especially when you're trying to like work and stuff indeed so if you are if you lived in little italy you came from italy and you spoke italian yeah. with everybody yeah and you worked in italian speaking places because yes. you were the only people who were going to hire you were like other italians yeah so yeah that's also so it's interesting. not interesting yeah, yeah i mean i think people sometimes have this perception that it's like these immigrants these days who don't assimilate but like really no nobody ever assimilates no and but, they haven't throughout history but at the same time a lot of names from russia and from italy and from all these sort of places they were anglo you know yeah. but yeah my family's last name was anglicized anglicized yeah, yeah that's the word so yeah on the other hand there are a lot of people who came to the u.s in this case the u.s and sort of um really wanted to uh assimilate and you can so or what, were they forced? What you're under the impression is is that they yeah. opted to change their name, oh, but that's but not what happened. Oh, they were okay, mostly okay, forced okay. to change their names. Ah, yeah, ah. Uh, which is 
problematic. Is that the word we're going to go with? Uh, but also, I mean, names like. But not so, not even not even very useful because if you if you then look at how these communities. Uh, no, is, worked, it, is then, it shocking to you, Paul, knowing me that I come from Irish descent? Uh, no. no, not at all. No. <laughs> not even a little bit. No. No. <laughs> yeah, so changing my la- my family's last name didn't really make much of a difference, frankly. No, no, indeed. But yeah, I mean, even in these situations where, you know, now, because, so say things like Polish immigration or Dutch immigration, that's kind of stuff in the US happened such a long time ago, like the names like p- that were considered weird and foreign at the time have just become like weirdly integrated. So like Vanderbilt, which is like a very famous rich family in the US, right? Like they just squish the letters together. It's all one word now. But like that is a Dutch last name. Yeah, you, right? you immediately recognize it as a Dutch yeah. name. Yeah. Uh, but it's not seen as being a foreign name in the US because it's just existed there as a name now for 200 years. I mean, yeah. it's the same. Yeah. There's a lot of like Polish names that are a bit the same, like Italian names, these kinds of things where like, you know, this is just an American name because it's just existed there for so long. Yeah. So, you know, you give it 300 years and then there's and lots then, of names uh, that are it like... turns into... Uh... Yeah. Just one of the names of the culture. Yeah, people forget that it ever came from somewhere else. Um, and are there other things? How do uh, the Dutch fare? Yeah, so language plays an important role, um, but there are lots of other indicators, you know, participating in civil society, adapting food and cultural traditions, adoption of values, this kinds of stuff that are considered part of social integration. And the Dutch do... Uh, do real badly at integrating. Oh, really? oh yeah, real bad. <laughs> uh, immigrants in this survey, they hold on to Dutch and Flemish holidays, so they're still celebrating Sinterklaas and King's Day. They are still eating lots of Dutch food, including licorice, which frankly should be banned. Also, like, croquettes <laughs> and stew. Nasi was listed, which I thought was oh, really? interesting because that's, like, a food that you guys stole from somewhere else. <laughs> Other traditions, uh, and lots of Dutch people send their kids to Dutch language schools or they join a Dutch or Flemish, like, association in their place of residents um these migrants also organize online in facebook groups that are like focused around like dutch things and discussing things in the dutch language but how does this compare to um other countries and people from other countries do the do the germans do the same thing or do so glad you asked yeah so there's not i could not find and i looked really hard to find like a definitive comprehensive nationality study so like a study that's broken down by like German people emigrating, Dutch people emigrating, whatever. There isn't, at least as far as I could find, if some of our listeners like have data on this or have done research on this, please send it to podcast at dutchnews.nl. But I couldn't find anything. I could find a few things about some other demographics. So unsurprisingly, old people basically never integrate. So if you move to a country when you're sort of like 50 plus, you never really like integrate. They have a much harder time learning the language. They don't really adapt to social customs and this kinds of stuff, which I don't think should really surprise anybody ever. Um, women uh, do better at integration than men, which okay. is uh, true of all things. There is some research breakdown on how British people do, and they are the worst, apparently. <laughs> so when you compared, when I compared some of these questions, which and is they not... They usually a, try to, uh, to, to assimilate the other culture. Yeah, they, own... that's exactly right. So there's a bunch of like sort of sociological, sociological evidence, anthropological like papers and stuff that talk about how like 
British people hang on to traditions, food traditions, and uh, like holiday traditions and stuff for much longer than other immigrants mm. do. So if Chinese people move to the U.S. and British people move to the U.S., like they can study sort of by generations. And like after a number of generations, like Chinese people may have like sort of what we were going to call integration and like stop maybe speaking Chinese or they stop celebrating Chinese New Year. But British people, man, they just like hang on to that guy Fox Day and like will not leave it alone. So I'm glad Gordon isn't here to defend himself because we can just bash British people. So what do you think, Paul? Like what does it mean to integrate and what aspects of that are important? Yeah, I think just participating in society. I don't really care if you... Uh, celebrate your own holidays or like to eat food from your country i don't care about that but just participate work pay your taxes do your thing don't do crimes don't do crimes yeah and then it's fine and then it's fine and then what you say in a bunch of years then it's all blended together and you you can't really tell if someone is from another country or not do you think that if we could fast forward 200 years that Turkish and Moroccan immigrants in the Netherlands will have quote unquote integrated in a way that like Irish people and Italian people um, integrated in the U S yeah, I, I, I definitely hope so. But, yeah. um, I mean, their integration was sort of disrupted from yeah. the start because initially when, uh, these people moved to the Netherlands, they were never meant to, to stay. stay for a long, a long period of time. And uh, eventually they did. So, uh, yeah, that first generation and perhaps also the second generation, they didn't make an effort to fully participate in the society. Yeah, because why would you? Like because the plan was you? just the here to make you... some money and then go back. Indeed. So, and that's also uh, these uh, Moroccan people, they live now in the Netherlands for many years now. But It's interesting that you say for many years now because most Turkish and Moroccan immigrants, they came like late 60s and in the 70s. Yeah. So that's probably like the first generation. Maybe, yeah. I mean, maybe they also at some point brought parents along with them later, but it, it actually hasn't been... It's only really like 50 years that they've been here as a concept. I mean, in the in the course of like the history of the Dutch nation state, it's like really tiny. No, it's really only like one yeah. generation. Yeah. A lot of the research is into there, this. Yeah, is there research on how long that's... Uh, three generations. Three this generations. is pretty much the common like sort of... Actually, yeah. this is... And it's been fairly unchanged. I was kind of surprised because like when I was in grad school, I took like a class on this where we studied some like papers and this is like kind of what they said. And I was like, oh, I wonder if this research has changed. But it's basically the same. That like mm. the first generation who comes, they don't ever integrate basically this is presuming you're coming as an adult right not coming as a child so like maybe you can speak the local language a little bit somewhat a little bit you know you but you mostly socialize with other people who are from your community you probably live in a place where you're only from with people from your same nationality you cook the same foods whatever then they have kids and those kids generally go to school in the local school district so they at least like learn the language and kind of like have a one foot in each world kind of thing. And then basically like when they go to have children, it's that, that generation that sort of is like basically grown up here yeah. has a parent who is essentially from that country at this point. Well, that and makes perfect sense. Yeah. So yeah. you really, I mean, the thing I find very interesting in light of this, knowing this about the Turkish and Moroccan immigration discussion in the Netherlands, is is that like, well, I mean, basically if you just wait out another generation, it's most of these issues, I suspect some of them at least I think will go away. But I think this is, this is interesting because a lot of, people that I know who are from Turkish or Moroccan descent, they are uh, often the third generation, but they are now in the stage that they are living in these both worlds, right? So the third generation of Moroccan and Turkish people, they are actually the second generation now, and that has to do with this 
Yeah, um, because when their if their grandparents came here, they came here on the idea of temporary work visa. So it indeed. wasn't really like they didn't even get their 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 children integrated. You know, those kids probably didn't learn Dutch and this kinds of stuff, so they didn't like really do that yeah. until they were an adult. Yeah, so maybe it's going to take four generations for this yeah, group, which yeah. is kind of interesting. Yeah. But then still, you would think in like sixty years, that means maybe there won't be a. I mean. I don't know if I will be alive in 60 years, but I hope so. And I hope I am still cognizant enough to be aware of whether or not there is still all of these like issues, perceived issues with Turkish and Moroccan immigrants. Um, well, the funny thing is that um, uh, before the uh, Turkish and Moroccan immigration um, started, there were a lot of people that came from Indonesia yeah. or from Suriname. Yeah. And I remember my, my, my parents often tell me that in their time, they looked to the people from Suriname and Indonesia the same way as a lot of people are looking now to the people from Turkish and Moroccan descent. Uh, so that means that it sort of shifts, right? Yeah. So you have well, this they always there's always somebody new to pick on. There's basically. always something new, and also very interestingly, my mother she's uh, often socializes with um, uh, women from Indonesian descent, and they are now talking about. Uh, the newcomers, yeah. let's call them newcomers, in the same manner right. as they were talked oh, about. Oh, yeah, people so internalize racism. Yeah, is totally so that's, that's really, yeah, really interesting true. to see. And yeah. it just means that they are uh, they're integrated, integrated now, yeah, if, they are, if they are complaining about other Yeah, other what's people. interesting about that is, is that, like, I, I mean, I have not a ton, but I have some sort of friends who are of an in- in- Indonesian background or of Surinamese background, and they will tell you that there are, like, incidents of racism and, like, mistreatment and this kinds of stuff, but, like... Like, they don't ever, and I've never really heard this be articulated as a thing by other Dutch people, like, perceived to not be Dutch. Like, they're just kind of perceived as, like, part of the social fabric. And, like, sometimes Dutch people are racist against black people, and so, like, they say mean things to Surinamese people. But, like, not per se because they are from Suriname, like, that they would do the same thing to, like, other black people. Like, people don't sort of... I I think, like people complain about like a new kebab shop much more than they complain about a new like toko or a new Surinamese like broja shop right that like that stuff is just like part of the fabric which I think is a great example of how like multiculturalism works just fine and people should shut up about this because it's like fine yeah so I have another uh, question for you oh do you how well do you think I've integrated um well I heard you ordering a uh, broja in Dutch yeah, and what else do I? What else do you need to be able to do to integrate? I was just in the going to say that's the only thing you need. <laughs> I can also order a beer in Dutch, so I feel like that's. Fine. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, I know that you uh, actively try to learn the language. You are using Duolingo to learn the language. You uh, you take Dutch courses. You did the fucking uh, integration, integration exams. Exam. It's true. So. Is there anything more you can do? I don't think so. so I mean, I maybe. I think that you could have a debate about like this exact topic, right? Because there's lots of things I think. No, but that, but like, given the fact that you are in your thirties now, um, how well are you going to to yeah, how be well able am to I learn the language? You're you're never going to be fluent in Dutch because yeah. you know you moved to the Netherlands too old, basically. Thanks, Paul. Um, so. Yeah, given given that you will never be able to fully learn the language, I mean, the effort that you put into at least trying to do it yeah. is 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 sufficient, if not um, more than average, I yeah. think. So yeah, I think that's uh, uh, you're going to to integrate probably not one hundred percent. I mean, you you always have some you 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 always bump into weird things that the Dutch do or say or I mean it's because you guys do so many weird things exactly <laughs> so you're never never going to fully 100% fully 
understand the Dutch um, culture and uh, the Dutch, how do you say that? Um, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're nodding no, so no, indeed. Um, Does anybody fully understand the Dutch culture? No, not even the Dutch understand no, the, the Dutch culture. I mean, but, I like to eat at the snack bar and I like Stump Hot. So yeah. I feel like that makes me pretty well integrated. Yeah, but I, I don't so. like herring and I don't like drop. So maybe no. I'm not really integrated. No, no, know. no. You're going to have to work on that. Yeah. At least the, dro- the drop. I, I don't like herring as well, but yeah. drop is fantastic. No, it's really not fantastic. <laughs> so I think it... I think it kind of brings up an interesting discussion because I think a lot of times you hear people say, well, these people aren't trying hard enough to assimilate. They're not trying hard enough to like integrate. Yeah, but it's really hard to 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 integrate. Yeah. You can try whatever you want. You're never going to fully 100% right. integrate. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I think is interesting about that is that when you push people, in my personal experience, when I push back on this, when people say like, well, they're not trying hard enough, like nobody really has an understanding of like what that exactly means right that like i will hear people say well they're not trying hard enough to like learn the language which i suppose this is true i mean i obviously i think that there's probably people who move here and like don't even bother to learn anything in dutch which i guess fine um but like yeah like you were saying like it's hard to learn a language as an adult it turns out and like people can be making an effort and maybe just aren't great at it i also think what i think is kind of interesting in my own personal experience is that so i've lived here now for eight years um i speak pretty good Dutch. I mean, I'm not fluent, but like I certainly go places and have full conversations and stuff like this in Dutch and it is fine. What's interesting is, is that people who knew me when I first moved here assume that my Dutch is not very good, but people who have met me, Dutch people who have met me, Uh. like since you start speaking it, because what happens is, is that like one, you get like kind of weird and uncomfortable because you're used to like speaking in English and it's like hard to have like a language switch. But like with my partner's family, I mean, my partner is Dutch, like we speak Dutch like almost exclusively Mm. and with them, it's totally fine. So it's interesting like how this, I think sometimes people perceive me as like not having maybe done enough to like learn the language but like a lot of those people are just like not experiencing me sort of speaking or writing or like interacting like Mm. in dutch and that kinds of stuff which i think is also interesting it just goes to show like the sort of like you know you can't what is that jesus he's sort of saying like you can't judge a person until you walk a mile in their shoes like kind of thing right which is like yeah a little too hokey but fine (laughs) a little bit a little bit yeah but the other thing i find interesting is is that people kind of get hung up like on the language thing in particular as opposed to like there being other things about like culture and stuff and i i think going back to what you said is right which is, is that like you want people to participate in society so you like you know to be working or volunteering or you know not doing crimes like you know just sort of like being a person who is like a nice neighbor basically whether or not like they're speaking the local language or not i think is like what we all really want and then like people complain about other stuff like oh well they refuse to integrate because they're still eating you know kebabs instead of like snack bar food the dutchess snack bar in the city of delft the oldest one and the best one also serves dunair at their snack bar like so you know like it's not this can't possibly be an integration issue anymore yeah but uh what i'm interesting at you um moved a lot in the u.s when you're still living in the u.s uh did you feel that you had to integrate in all the other places that you that you lived yeah i think to some degree yeah yeah because i mean you know, the, because within the country itself, you yeah, also there's, have a lot there's, of there's a lot cultures. Of, yeah, exactly. And the way I remember, like, very distinctly trying to learn, I mean, at some point we, like, my family moved to, like, the South and, like, trying to actively pick up 
the southern speech patterns and like a southern accent so that i did not stand out when i was in school just like hillary clinton did when she's campaigning in the south it's funny how that works um (laughs) and it's funny how like some of those things stick with you and some of them don't and that like yeah but I, i do recall like sort of actively like kind of switching because one of the things in the u.s that like i think so what I would call soda is like a thing that's often cited as like a regional difference because people will call like Coke and like in Georgia, they just call it Coke. And then people mm. will ask you like what kind of Coke you want and like you uh. want a Sprite because Coke is from Georgia. Coke is from Atlanta. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like soda, soda pop, pop, this kinds of stuff. Um, the one that I re- very distinctly remember retraining myself to learn when I was probably like 15 is like sneakers or like tennis shoes because in the South, in the, at least in the part that I was living, like they referred to them as tennis shoes, but like my oh, parents really? called them sneakers. Like, oh. so like athletic shoes, right? Yeah. Like running shoes, something like this. And it's still now, I, I think because I was like an older teen at that point, that is still a word that I like think about before I use it in English. And yeah, we'll sometimes like try to word. write my sentences around, like mm. having to pick what the appropriate word is, wow. which I think is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So what do you think if people are listening to this and you think that they want to be integrated considered to be integrated in Dutch society and Dutch culture, what would you say that they need to be able, like, what's the baseline? Like speak some amount of Dutch, I think, right? Like you should, I think to define yourself as being like an integrated immigrant and for like you to be able to be huffy at people at parties who are claiming that you're like not integrated (laughs) enough. Like you have to be able to go into, you have to be able to get through the transaction at the Albert Hein, I think without switching to English, which is pretty baseline, right? Because you basically just Uh, think, think, uh, or like ordering a sandwich. I mean, you are, you are, you are. I have no Kopsegels. Yes, yes, yes. That's, I think that's fairly easy. Rond op met your segels. (laughs) Something like that. Mm, Yeah, what's the baseline? I don't know. Hard to say. Yeah. I mean, if you do, you, do you, uh, speaking language, of course, a little bit is 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 very handy, of course. But do you mean like, uh, like what else? Yeah. What else do you need to do? Have a bike. Have a bike. Okay. That's one. Have a bonus card. Have a bonus card. An Albert Heijn bonus card. That's um, important too. That's very essential. Have the uh, radar app on your mobile oh, phone. Oh, Bauerradar app on your phone. Yes. Yeah, yes, that's yes. also very Dutch. And keep track of it. Yeah, you have to keep track you have of it. Whenever you try to uh, yeah. get out of the door, you have to open the app. Do you have and to be able to eat and or cook any sort of Dutch food? No. I you don't, don't think so? You no. don't think that like food is any kind of important part of cultural... Well, it might have to do with the fact that I come from a family where we ate all sorts of different kind of foods. Yeah. We, we didn't really have like the traditional Dutch cuisine on the table yeah. every day. Um, so no, I don't know. I, I think the, really one think of the so. best things that people can do to try to integrate... Oh, you have to, to bring have... your own lunch. Of yeah, course. you have to bring yeah, your own yeah, lunch. Yeah, that, yeah. that I think is a good, that cultural integration. I think a good food integration one is that you have to go be able to go to a snack bar and order, have a favorite thing to be able to order in a snack bar. Because what it means is one, like you've, you can go to a snack bar, right? Yeah. You feel comfortable being in that space Two, You probably have to do some amount of ordering in Dutch because generally speaking, mm. there's a lot of people who work at snack bars who are like not speaking great English. And that means you have to like try a few of these like weird fried meat things that the Dutch are like, yes. Into. And, and chosen a favorite and one. And chosen yeah, a favorite yeah, 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 yeah. one. I think that that's oh, like fully that's, the uh, sign of like integration. If you could cycle, true. 
If you can avoid the rain by checking the Baumrader app and cycle to a snack bar and order in Dutch your favorite snack bar food, then I think you are defined as yes. like integrated. I, I fully agree. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I think that's it. So I want anybody out there who's listening who has been able to do this to, to email us and tell us all about it. Yeah. Because I'm curious to know if other people feel differently. Me or, too. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, I want to give one before we end the podcast this week. I want to give a shout out to Kate because I was at a... Uh, I was at a meeting on Wednesday and I started talking and somebody was like, oh my God, are you Molly from the podcast? I'm a huge <laughs> that fan. That happens all the time it's to you. It's so weird. Yeah. Anyway, but it's really delightful. She had really nice things to say about to say about what us. What did she say about us? She said that she thought we were really funny. Oh, really? I know. Now, a lot of people would think that. I, I, I found, don't understand. <laughs> I found the um, the iTunes... Um, oh, yeah. You, you read the reviews of the podcast. I never read these. Well, so I, I, know. I, I didn't know if they existed, but I, I found them on, so, on some sort of Italian version of the Apple uh, podcast okay, iTunes sure, website. as you do. And there were a lot of people who think uh, that we were funny and also a lot of people who thanked us for introducing uh, the word Ophef yes, to their lives because important they use thing. it very often. Yeah. And also a lot of people who sort of have family in the Netherlands or regularly come here for some to, to give a course or whatever yeah. and uh, they listen to the podcast and they can always impress the, the, the Dutch people here with their knowledge of yeah. Dutch uh, current affairs. So yeah, that's something that uh, we can be proud of. I think my proudest podcast moment came last week when somebody who is now donating to the Patreon said uh, they managed to make a Dick Lawyer reference in a ah. conversation that they were having smoothly and that they thanked yes. the podcast for that. Yes, so yes. I think our work, uh, we, we're doing work positive things in the world. Yeah. Yeah. We can stop. We can quit this podcast. We can, can we quit? Yeah. Okay, that's it. We uh, quit. We, we're done. We, we, have to, we have to write a formal letter, though. We have, oh, yeah, that's true. We have yeah. to write a formal letter. We're stepping back from our responsibilities as podcast <laughs> co-hosts. Indefinitely. Indefinitely. Yeah that's fake news we're not doing that although i'm not here next week but you guys will be here yes that's all that we have for you this week this podcast is a production of dutch news which can be found online at dutch news nl we will include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl if you want to help us out please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a rating you can now also back us on patreon at patreon.com slash dutch news nl you'll earn yourself a free shout out and you can also ask us a weird question which we may or may not answer. <laughs> My thanks to Paul Paters. We don't really know where Gordon Derrick is, so I'm not thanking him. I'm Molly Quell. We'll be back next week. The Netherlands sealed qualification for Euro 2020. What's They're... his girlfriend? Who's he dating? Bjork. No. What? Who's the crappy girl that the weird pop star that Elon Musk is dating? I don't know. Sinead O'Connor? No. That's like Bjork, but not Bjork. <laughs> uh, what is a Bjork? <laughs> you know who Bjork is. No. You don't know who Bjork is? The Icelandic no. pop star? There's an Icelandic pop star? Named Bjork? <laughs> oh no. my god. No, you, oh, you he's dating Grimes. Okay, that's also something I never heard of. Yeah, she's a Canadian singer. Uh, yeah, there are so many Canadian singers. I mean, what are they doing in that country? They have snow. Canada is like the fallen Here. dome of America. She looks like this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's scary. <laughs>